Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be talking about cybersecurity and how to protect yourself with Major General Earl Matthews. A little bit later, we'll hear from Joe Wilcox. He writes for Beta News, and we're going to talk about lots of issues in the tech universe. All this and more, lots more, on the Tech Night Owl Live. Now, of course, I put on my serious face, ladies and gentlemen, because we're talking to Major General Earl Matthews. But he's really a great down-to-earth guy. And we were trying to sort out the fact that in setting up this interview, they use one of these meeting programs where you type a phone number and then you enter some other kind of code to get to the meeting. The problem is they set the meeting to the wrong time. Is that correct, Major General? That's what I think uh, exactly what happened, Gene. Yeah, so I'm somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, according to uh, the time zone change. (laughs) Oh, boy. Now, were you in the Air Force? I was. I was in the Air Force for, for 31 years. Okay. Can you tell us anything about Roswell? Yeah, it exists. Roswell, New Mexico, it's a, it's a great town. Have you ever been there seriously? Seriously, I have. My mother uh, lives actually in Albuquerque, New Mexico, so I've, I've been down there. Great but museum. Have, I bet. I bet you have nothing to tell us about aliens landing in Roswell in 1947. No, I only know what you know, what you see on, see on the news. Okay, we'll leave it there. How did you get involved in issues about security? Well, actually, Gene, I've been in the cybersecurity business almost my entire life. When I was in high school, I had done a couple of stints, interns, working in a data processing center, learning how to um, do punch cards. But there was also a, a bicycle that I wanted one summer. They only got one black bicycle in every 100 shipments. So I'm not proud of it. I decided I'd, I'd order 100 bicycles when the when the order came through and I punched up the type cards and then I went over and got my one black bicycle when a hundred showed up at the store. <laughs> That's what I would call insider threat. And then uh, when I was in college, I actually had college professors already. Now this is in the you know, late 70s, early 80s who were challenging us how to actually have a bank account where you could go through the entire Federal Reserve Board banks before your check was actually cashed. And uh, they were teaching us about white-collar crime. And at that time, white-collar crime, you weren't prosecuted. The companies generally just hired you back because they wanted to find out where the, uh, where the loopholes were. And then throughout my military career, I was uh, involved in uh, cybersecurity, though we didn't call it that. But that's effectively what, what it's matured into today. And then you retired and went into private industry. Yep. I retired in November of 2014 as the Air Force's Director of Cyberspace Operations and the Air Force's Chief Information Security Officer. And it was during my last three-year tenure that we created what we consider our offense and defensive cyber teams that you hear about in the news now that are in direct support of U.S. Cybercom. There's a general impression here that the government is ill-equipped to deal with threats of this sort. What was your perception working with the government? What I would say is that we're not ill-equipped, but we are under from a capacity standpoint. So we have the capability to be able to prosecute this and go do this. You know, now I'm talking this being a cyber war, but we really just don't have the capacity. And that's one of the things that I was responsible for was growing out the Air Force's capacity 
for us to be able to defend ourselves, but also to prosecute offensive cyber warfare. But how do you deal with something where the actors, the perpetrators, are overseas, and possibly in countries where we have no extradition agreements, like Russia? Yeah, I would just consider that as any other form of warfare or when those things happen from those kind of countries where we don't have them. But as you probably have seen in the news, is that we use a lot of other instruments of national power to be able to catch these cyber criminals. And primarily, we just follow the money, just like we do in uh, counterterrorism. And that kind of leads us back to where the person is. And then we also watch to see, because they're human beings, and I think sometimes we forget about that. And they like to gloat. They have to go on vacation. And so when they go on vacation to a country in which does have an extradition treaty with us, we have all the paperwork lined up, and then the local authorities will nab them and then extradite them back to the U.S. And that's happened on a number of occasions. So the watchword is don't go on vacation to the wrong country. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. But they're human beings, too, and they like to flaunt their wealth and uh, take vacation. So how did the Russians hack the emails from John Podesta? that became such fodder for the media on WikiLeaks? Yeah, so I don't know the exact techniques that were used, but I would guess and use my experiences that uh, perhaps there wasn't a very strong password that was in use, and they would run a commonly used open source um, password hacker against a bunch of different accounts. Uh, that uh, they would have, depending on what their source of email was, whether it was Yahoo or somebody else. That'd be, that would be my best guess. I had also heard possibly a phishing scam. That's true, but generally those folks are fairly sophisticated. And what people really underestimate is that for a lot of these senior folks, that they have executive assistants. And a lot of times the executive assistants are actually the point of where the phishing takes place and that there is a possibility for uh, them to click on the wrong thing. Regardless, is anything safe anymore? And we're going to talk about specific cases. Is anything safe? I get the impression more and more that maybe we should go back to sticking the money under our mattress. No, Gene, I would say this really is progress, even though we don't think it is. And when we look at the advances in technology and how they've made us more efficient in the way that we do things at work, but also in our personal lives, that this is here to stay. And we need to think of cybersecurity the same way that we think of other forms of safety. And we need to continue to have different messaging around safety so it doesn't sound like, you know, the old um, Charlie Brown teacher when she's talking, she's just going wah, 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 wah that people need to understand that they have a personal re responsibility of being a good digital citizen to understand what their safety is supposed to be online, just as we're taught, look left, look right before we you know, cross the road. Well, that's something we learn as kids. Let's go into one specific set of cases, all the situations we deal with at Facebook, where we are for sale. We're the product that they're selling. Now, did you watch the appearance of Mark Zuckerberg before Congress? I did watch a few, few of the episodes, yes. Now, the thing that kind of bothered me there is very frequently Zuckerberg would answer, well, I'll have my team get back in touch with you. 
as if, you know, there were a lot of questions he couldn't answer. And the second thing is, it appeared that the people there doing the questioning weren't very well versed on the subject. They asked very general questions that weren't designed to really elicit important information. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think here's what, you know, my assessment about all of this is that we as a nation need to have a discussion on what constitutes privacy in the digital age. And I've been on this message now since about 2004. And every time that we have a major incident, I think, ah, this is going to be the defining moment and we're going to happen. Even when we had the breach into one of the major credit bureaus, I said, oh, finally, this is going to be the defining moment, right? And it wasn't. And then we have Facebook. And so I think what all of us need to understand is that anything that we do digitally could be either compromised or used elsewhere. And we should be mindful about what permissions that we give companies. Now, my personal preference is that I think companies ought to be more restrictive about the privacy up front. And then I, as a consumer or user, will determine if I want to make those restrictions uh, less so. But I think today we put all the burden on the consumer and not enough on the, on the, on the companies. I'm going to break here, then we'll come right back. Yeah. We have Major General Earl Matthews. Cybersecurity's on the table. We're into Facebook right now. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If you owe money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800-239-9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800-239-9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Working through the IRS Fresh Start program, all the forms will be handled for you. All you have to do is make the toll-free call, 800-239-9957. Find out if you qualify and possibly save yourself thousands of dollars, not to mention a lot of headaches. It could be the best call you've made today. That number again, 800-239-9957. The service does not provide tax settlement or legal services. We will refer you to a company that does provide such services. Often the IRS will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed. Not all taxpayers who owe more than $10,000 will qualify for a tax reduction program. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. 
With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We're back with Major General Earl Matthews. Hi, Gene. Hi there. And his, actually, he said I can call him Earl, but I tried to avoid that. I mean, he's an officer. And we have to give him that title and observe the courtesies. But seriously speaking here also, he is an expert in cybersecurity. And we're talking about Facebook and the situations regarding Facebook. And as I was mentioning to him before we broke, I was kind of disappointed that Mark Zuckerberg, his delivery was good, but he wasn't telling us much because anytime he did tell us anything, he would quite often say, my team will get back to you. I don't know if his team ever got back to anybody. Really, we haven't heard that. And the other thing here is that a couple of the fact checkers out there looked into his testimony and found that he contradicted himself. So maybe he wasn't rehearsed sufficiently? Even for somebody of... Uh, his stature and capability, you're in a high high pressure situation when you're there testifying in front of Congress and you know all the cameras are rolling. So I don't think that if he contradicted himself, that it, it was really that grotesque, right? I mean, I think there were a few narrow places where you go, okay, I, I can see you know how you might say some one thing one time and then answer the question differently, and it could actually be interpreted as being different, but he's actually saying the same thing. Um, and I think you're just there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on every single word that is being used. I thought Mr. Zuckerberg did a you know a pretty good job on being forthright about what it is that they were going to take responsibility for. What I think was more telling was how quickly 
that Facebook actually reacted to this and started putting additional measures in place. I think a lot of times we see these uh, company CEOs say something, but then it's, you know, either months upon months before we see new implementations coming in place or they don't ever happen at all and they just kind of die on the bike. I actually personally think that Facebook did a fairly good job on reacting to this and putting the new privacy. And I'm a Facebook user, so, I mean, I speak in firsthand that, you know, I received all those emails and explicit instructions on how to how to make it tighter. Do you think that Facebook's default set of privacy settings are sufficient in terms of giving the customer a reasonable expectation of privacy, or are there just too many things to set? Yeah, I think it's very complicated. I don't think it's user-friendly at all. I think it's measurably improved from where it was, but I think they probably could make it tighter. And again, my preference would be as a consumer is I want you to make it as tight as possible, and then I will decide what it is that I want to open up and share. I would also think that when you are given the option to open up things, they need to explain very carefully what the impact is, because most people don't understand. And not because they're stupid, it's because they have other priorities in their lives and they can't become security gurus. They should be told this in simple language, explaining exactly what the implications are to add this app to Facebook. If you're going to log in with your Facebook account for some other service, what are the implications? Yeah, I think you're spot on, Gene. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Trying to get my mother to try to understand that, yeah, that wouldn't be, that's going to be a tough cause. Well, I'm teaching my wife how to do it. She's getting better and better. She's fairly active on Facebook. Now, I preach what we call the privacy religion here. And what I do and what I recommend to people is, first of all, if you can, try a password manager app. It's available for all the major platforms where it stores all your passwords. And then they can be as complicated as possible. You don't have to worry about remembering them. Change them every so often. Use a strong password, such as a mixture of upper and lowercase random letters, not your dog's name, because your dog's name will be figured out pretty quickly. They'll start with spot, and they'll get down to mine, teddy bear. I don't use that as a password. Random numbers, symbols, and more and more services are demanding that you do that by default, and they'll reject your password if you don't do it. And the other thing is two-factor authentication. Would you tell our listeners what that means? Yeah, that means that you're actually validating who you are in multiple ways before you're granted access to uh, an application. And so for my bank, I will log in with my username and my password, and then my bank will also send me a text message with a one-time PIN that I would put in then to the website, and then only until then will I be granted access to my bank account. That's an example of two-factor authentication. Now, to be practical, if someone comes over with a revolver and says, log in, you're not going to question that person. But for most other purposes, it should be okay. Despite that, my Twitter account was hacked twice. And one time, somebody who wanted to give me a donation to solve a personal problem, I gave him the account information on my bank account where I keep very little money, so nothing was really lost. Instead of actually helping me out or doing the transaction, they hacked my Twitter account and posted my bank account. Wow. That's pretty sophisticated. They must have really wanted to get to Eugene. What have you been talking about on your radio show? 
Well, we have the other show, the crazy one, the paranormal show, where we talk about <laughs> UFOs and stuff. That's why I raised the Roswell issue before, because I'm one of those crazy people. I don't think you're so crazy, my friend. I think there's theories behind lots of different things, and there are a number of things that are unexplained that we need to get to the bottom of. Hey, that's, a, that's an interesting way of putting it. He's trying to be nice to me because he's a guest and I have controls here. I'm serious. He's a nice guy. All right, let's continue with that. So this happened twice. A friend of mine had his Twitter account hacked, and because he'd supported my positions in public, they posted porn there. I had, of course, the bank account where he disclosed the information about accessing that account. That one we closed, and that one we opened a brand new account. Another bank account this past weekend was hacked. Now, I don't know whether that hacking was the result of an attack against the bank or an attack against me, but this time they took money. So I don't know. I feel I'm a target here. I don't want to be paranoid, but it's pretty wacky sometimes out there. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I would I agree. And one of the things that actually kind of worries me as being a you know military guy and now in private industry that uh, on this side of the fence, you know, if you know two countries don't agree with each other on something, that actually a private citizen, right, would have the cyber hacking skills to be able to hack into that nation saying, hey, I don't like the way that my government is responding to this current situation, so I'm going to do things on my own, kind of like vigilantism. And then that thereby starts escalating something that really it needs to be worked by government to government, um, you know, diplomatic relations. And so I worry about that as we go forward, because attribution sometimes is very difficult uh, in this space, that it has uh, could have unintended consequences that well, private citizens are now engaging. At least if they don't put on masks and capes and leap tall buildings in a single bound or, or jump off buildings like Batman did. Because remember, that's fiction. That's comic book stuff. People do not do that in real life unless they're Tom Cruise and like to do wacky stunts. We've got Major General Earl Matthews on cybersecurity. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Healthcare reform is confusing, but whether it's finding an affordable insurance plan, keeping your doctor, or being able to afford needed prescriptions, navigating the healthcare system has become a challenge. Control your own healthcare costs and choices with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of each other's medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? 
a medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science, then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralizing the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. This is a warning to all household pests, to all cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, and rats. If you've made yourself at home in someone else's home, you'd better hope the owners never hear about Terminix. Because Terminix has the know-how and the means to do whatever it takes to remove you from that home. Terminix has 90 years of experience eliminating home invaders. And they make it easy for homeowners to be protected by offering a free pest estimate by calling 1-800-676-9879. Cockroaches, spiders, ants, mice, rats, and other pests. This is your last chance with one call, Terminix will remove you from the home you've invaded. If you think you can simply come back later, think again. Terminix will never stop working to keep you out with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Pests. Wherever you are, I will find you. Pests, you've been warned. Homeowners are calling Terminix right now for a free pest estimate. 1-800-676-9879. 1-800-676-9879. 30-day money-back guarantee at participating locations. Limitations apply. See plan for details. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. In all practical situations here, are private citizens actually trying to become vigilantes? Well, I think that if you look at anonymous, right, what does the group anonymous try to do? They'll pick one side or another side, kind of like a, an, a hacktivist, as we would call it, and they're trying to convey their own messages. Okay. Well, right? yeah. I think that, that's to- totally happening today already. So what can governments do to stop this? They 
there isn't a whole lot that they can do to stop it. But what they can do is prevent the over escalation of stuff and take the time to slow down decision making in the cases of cybersecurity until they know for sure that, hey, it, this is actually coming from a nation state sponsor. But how do we deal with the nation state? And of course, we all think about the Russians or possibly the Chinese. It's not as if we can just send the troops out to attack them. Do we employ countermeasures or what? So I think, again, we have to go back to our entire tool bag. So we have diplomatic, we have informational, we have military, we have economic, right? It comes back to the dime uh, theory. And we have to use a combination of all those tools to be able to do it. I mean, one of the things I really liked about what happened during the Obama administration is when the FBI outed the Chinese for hacking into a number of companies in Pittsburgh. And then we actually filed, you know, in federal court, you know, charges against these folks. And then when the Chinese prime minister came to the U.S., right, in September of that year, there was an agreement. And we saw a precipitate drop off of Chinese attacks against the U.S companies and and economy. So I think that there are ways to be able to do it. But what we have to do as a country, right, this is another part where, like not having the what constitutes privacy in the digital age is, hey, what's our cyber deterrence strategy? And we just need to develop a strategy, and then we can evolve the strategies we go along, much like we did during the nuclear area. We went through multiple different types of nuclear deterrence strategies, and cyber is no different but we just haven't put one on the table to say, this is what constitutes an attack against the United States. The only country really that has that declaratory policy are actually the Russians. And they've had it in place since the 90s that something to the effect of an attack on our information technology systems is considered attack against our country. So why aren't we being stronger in fighting back? And I guess that throws us into the political headwinds here. Yeah, so... Part of the reason that makes us a little bit different is that everything is interconnected and we don't necessarily know if we were to launch a specific cyber attack that it would be specifically targeted and limited to that particular area or company. So with our traditional munitions, we can understand the probability of something happening once there's an explosion and we can control the yield so that we don't have all this collateral damage. When cyber, that's really hard to do because systems are so interconnected that we don't know what that would happen. The second thing is, is that we have to be very careful about what types of attacks we might use against an enemy because our systems may just be as vulnerable as the ones that we're attacking. So making sure that the defenders know, hey, if we're going to take a, launch a cyber attack, that we are, we're protected ourselves from that same attack. Well, I just hope we gain something, but I want to dovetail back to Facebook. Right now, after all is said and done, is Facebook now safer? I mean, I heard some time back that if you moved your contact list to Facebook and you were using, say, an Android phone, your call records would come along for the ride. Not, I guess, with iOS. Am I correct? That's correct. That's a big ad for Apple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I will tell you, you know, that's just because they've made policies, right? It's not that their systems are more inherently secure than, than Google's or Microsoft's. It's just that, hey, they have policies in place and they've decided as a company that we're not going to allow this to happen, right? And we're, we don't need to retain this information. And this kind of gets back to, you know, there was a question during Zuckerberg's testimony, right, where there was one either congressman or senator that was really pressing, hey, do we need to have regulation? Well, the reason why we end up having regulations right and re- is because we want to achieve a, a minimum standard of safety or compliance you know this is one of the areas that he kind of fumbled on in my view was in his testimony because he just wouldn't blatantly say no i do or no i think we should but if the industry doesn't get together as a whole and decide hey this is the minimum standards that we need to have they're going to get reg- regulation You see, this is one of the mistakes I think some people make. We need to get rid of these regulations because it creates layers of red tape for businesses, especially small businesses. They can't make a profit. They got to deal with paperwork. The reason we have paperwork is not just because we want to have paperwork for the heck of it. These are protections quite often because something is being abused. Public safety, employee safety, and therefore you then create the climate where they come up with regulations for good or bad. I mean, it's not that there aren't regulations that could be simplified, but if you didn't have abuse by employers and other parties, you wouldn't have any of this stuff. Exactly right. And so I am a fan of compliance. I'm a fan of regulation, right? But you just need to make sure that you get that pendulum right in the sweet spot and that you don't have, you know, over-regulation and over-compliance for just for compliance sake, or that you have you have under, but I think this is where it comes back again to what constitutes privacy in the digital age. We're more than willing to give all our data to Walmart and Target, and you know they can specifically target exactly what products I buy and all that kind of stuff. But then when there's a breach and there's a problem, then they come back to the government saying, "Hey, well, why didn't you protect us?" Well, okay, folks, <laughs> can't you can't have your cake and eat it too unless we have a discussion about what we're all going to agree on. And this is where the Europeans are actually leading in this area because under the General Data Privacy Act that they, that they passed, right, they're saying, hey, here's going to be the privacy laws and here are going to be the implications for you companies not protecting data. And there's going to be fines associated with it. I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with GDPR. I'm just saying at least they're, they're drawing a line in the sand and saying, here's where we're going to start from. And then it'll evolve after that period of time. Well, part of it is political posturing, but I think there ought to be a way, and we've worked this out with the auto industry, say, in terms of controls for pollution, gas economy. We don't hear them complaining anymore we can't meet these standards, or very little. The Obama administration, for example, made agreements with the industry and worked out things where it seems to be realistic enough that you're seeing every year your cars are getting safer. Except, you know, when somebody who likes to go on rich Moroccan vacations decides to undo those. I'm getting political. I don't want to do that, sir, because it's not fair. But you know what I mean? Also, we can't always assume government regulators are enemies. I mean, we all have interactions with the government. I've talked to Social Security because I'm an old guy. And they're very nice. Everybody I've ever talked to at Social Security has been very nice, very helpful. Never a problem. I go to motor vehicle. And I renew my license. Nobody's driving me crazy. They have a set of regulations. You talk to them, they're people. You're from the government or work with the government, with the Air Force. You're a person. 
And I think we have to accept the fact that we're dealing with people. And if we deal with people on a level that's free of this nonsense, we can work things out. Precisely. And the only way we can do that is to have open dialogue. And uh, I just think that when it comes to this space, you know, cybersecurity and privacy, we just we're not there yet. And I don't know what's going to be the defining moment to have it, because every time we seem to have a big, huge breach of information, it just doesn't happen. I I just don't know what it is that's going to drive it. We're going to drive more stuff in the next segment with Major General Earl Matthews. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state, until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hpextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hpextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap, even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed; it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. So, Major General Matthews, let's move back to Facebook very quickly, then I want to get to other stuff. Back to the credit bureau breach, okay? And that is here today. I'm a Facebook member. Is there anything I need to know today to protect myself from all the nonsense that's gone on? Or has Facebook done what they should do? I would say that you still should go back and review exactly what all your current settings are in Facebook. And is this appropriate for me where I am now in my life on trying to share data and whom I'm sharing data with. That would be my recommendation. Does Facebook have any support team that I could contact and say, I can't figure this out, help me? Uh, that, uh, Gene, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't, can't comment on. I, I don't know if they do or they don't. I see very little evidence. I know I've complained about some of the incursions I've had with Twitter, and they don't seem to care at all. Speaking of Twitter, we heard this story last week that we all need, what, 330 million or something, need to change our Twitter passwords because internally, by some kind of accident, they had a log where the passwords were stored in clear text, meaning, of course, you could read it. It's not hash. So if your password is password, you can see the word password. What's going on with that? I would say that's the human error. And that's really still the number one weakness in all cybersecurity is the human and somebody didn't follow the right process or Twitter didn't have the correct process in place in order to protect the, that password file. So we can solve all of the security problems if we got rid of people. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that exact way, Gene, but what I will say is our way to progress in cybersecurity is to reduce the amount of human interaction 
with the cybersecurity stacks and more of this stuff should be automated and everything that could be automated should be automated that's considered a room routine task that a human might be involved in then again how do we know the machine won't make a mistake well then you now well there's never going to be a guarantee that the machine won't make a mistake uh but it's about the rules that are set by the humans that will determine how the machines will behave. And that can be audited on a given period of time, right? So if you want to do it every six months or every, you know, every year, those things can be automated. Now, the concern I have yeah, about audited. Twitter is not changing the password, which I did, to a factor authentication, folks. Don't even try. I know they succeeded in the past. The question we have or the worry we have is that even if Twitter says, no, none of this data went outside the company, and they may believe they're right, but how do we know? Yeah, you're not, you're not going to know, right? Which is why they're giving you the precautionary note saying, please go change your password. And maybe it's politically correct to deal with it that way because they don't want to admit if there was any incursion into the company where someone got that information because it could really, really damage their reputation. This way, it kind of went under the radar as far as I see. The story came out, change your password, no harm, but change it anyway. And that was it. We don't get much in the way of follow-ups because they dealt with it in a way that I guess reduced or eliminated the danger or the fear that there were outside incursions, even if there were. Yeah, but, I, you know, at the same time, you know, I mean, I, you know, as much as we like to criticize on this, we also need to give credit where credit is due, right? So the fact is that they self-identified and they went public with it is far better than them knowing that they had this in the clear text. And then a third party identifies that, hey, you've had this, You've known about this, but you didn't tell anybody. So, I mean, I think there's a, you know, a balance here. And I think in this particular place, I'm, you know, I'd rather have them be forthcoming and say, hey, look, we screwed up. Here's what we need you to go do. And, you know, for, and then it puts it back on you to be able to go do it. Now, what they should have done, right, and could have done, I should say, instead of should, should have, what they could have done was just automatically locked your Twitter account to force you to change the password versus saying, sending it to you saying, we recommend you do it. I think they should have just locked them all down and said, you know, make you, re make you reset it. That's my two cents. All right, let's look at Equifax. Now, correct me if I'm wrong on these details. So we learn about the Equifax incursion, and I think there were actually two of them in the end, but, you know, well over 100 million people, 150 million or something like that are impacted. It seems as if the executives are trying to cash out hide the information from us until months after it happened. I didn't get a nice vibe about Equifax. Absolutely not. And as soon as I heard about it, and then I, when I learned some of the details behind it, and then learned that, hey, those folks had sold their, you know, their stock or whatever, to me that was immediately what came to my mind was that that's a criminal offense and that the SEC should prosecute them uh, for lack of due diligence. And we saw the CEO, the, the you know, chief information security officer, you know, they all, they all got fired, but they still need to be, in my view, have to be criminally liable for knowing what they knew 
and for having sold sold that stock ahead of time because they knew what was going to happen when it when it got out. No, the- absolutely horrible. Right, and I think about you know when we talk about privacy, right? Those three companies that hold our scores, you know, FICO scores and data. To me, they ought to have the most ruthless security out of everybody because it's just too damaging if that information gets out. The thing I see, and my wife has been trying to control her credit and everything. She's got the credit freeze and everything. They add so much red tape in dealing with them directly. And that's just not the basic process that's a problem, but dealing with individuals there because you get a different answer. So, for example, with one of her credit reports, she froze it. She wanted to unfreeze it so that we could get a new apartment. And this way they can check her credit rating. And they say, okay, let's have your PIN number. She never got a PIN number. You know, I had to go through this red tape. I understand security, but there has to be a better way because she never got a PIN number. She had to talk to like 10 different people before they created a new PIN number and allowed her to unlock her credit report. So that was the first yeah, well, thing. Good. Yeah. I'm sorry that she had that experience because I did the same thing. So, by, by the way, uh, less than less than 52% of the people who are affected by Equifax has, have even taken any action at all. So kudos to your wife for locking down her account. So I did the same thing. I locked down my account. When I locked down my account, then at, at that time is when I got a PIN number. And so I just recently went through this process too, because I applied for a new credit card. And, you know, they said, oh, you know, I did it online. And they came back and said, hey, you need to call us. And then so I called them and said, oh, you have an account freeze. I said, yes, I have an account freeze. I know which, which credit bureau you're using. And uh, luckily for me, I had my PIN, right? So then it could just be done right away. So I would just, in lieu of not having a PIN, I guess I sympathize with the fact that she had to talk to 10 different people, but at, at least they're being more cautious about making sure that she was who she said she was before they just you know, gave her a PIN number. The problem is each person had a different answer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the training. I can't help you there, my friend. <laughs> I know, but how do we know at this point that the other two major credit reporting agencies didn't have incursions that we know nothing about? Well, I believe anything they say after what Equifax did. What makes Experian and TransUnion any better? Um, I think, you know, it's based on trust, right? I think that's what our country is founded on and that, you know, people are doing the right things for the right reasons. And I think that's, I mean, that basically how our whole society works is no different than when I drive my car down the road and you're driving yours and that you're not going to run into me, right? And hit me. So, and, um, and then what, this is where the audit comes in. So all these companies, what we're seeing now um, from boards of companies is that the audit committees are getting more involved in the cybersecurity piece of this and demanding to see from the CEO and the CIO and the chief information security officer is, hey, show me our cyber effectiveness. Are we more secure than we were the month before or the year before? And they're now starting to look for concrete data on why those evaluations are done. And so they're doing audits. Let's do our break here and finish that. We've got more to come. A couple more segments with Major General Earl Matthews. 
talking about cybersecurity, and he's the guy who knows. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hello, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. I would like to invite you to a free health lecture where I'm going to educate you on how to flourish with better health now and in your golden years. We will be at the Holiday Inn Airport, Springfield, Missouri. Registration time is 6.30 p.m. Uh, This is May 18th. You can give us a call for free registration at 833-WALLACH. That's free registration, 833-925-5224. 833-925-5224. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest-priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So we continue here, and he's pointing out that companies need to, of course, do their due diligence, make sure that their security efforts are really top-notch, especially if you're dealing with credit bureaus. Because if outsiders can get information on your credit report, your personal information, your social security number, or anything else, you could be royally screwed until you discover it. Because even now, you may freeze your credit report, but how many people out there have your credit information already because of the original incursion into Equifax. Yeah, and I will tell you, Gene, right? I mean, someone like me who was in the government for many of these years, it's just the, the problem is even compounded anymore after the Office of Personnel Management breach, you know, two years ago. Sure. And so part of what we have to step back and look at is, okay, was this nation state sponsored or was this a criminal group, you know, that was trying to to get this information, to monetize it. And so, you know, right now, I just feel like I've got nothing that's safe. 
after the OPM and this Equifax breach that all my data is out there. And then plus a number of years ago, when officers got promoted, you know, their social security numbers were actually published in the congressional record. Now they've stopped doing that, you know, about 10 years ago, but before that, so my social security numbers are there. I feel like I got nothing left, right? That it's all out there. But when I step back and I start looking at, okay, what was the motive behind the attack? I really think the OPM was a nation state. So I feel like that that information is not going to be going to cyber criminals, right? For them to blackmail me and all those kind of things. Whereas the Equifax one, I think definitely was a criminal group and they're looking at ways to monetize this, the, the attacks. And then when we combine it with the healthcare attacks, now we start to kind of see a little bit of, of a pattern that might be developing. And once somebody can get a hold of your social security number and why we actually see credit fraud kind of going down a little bit because bank accounts could just issue you new banks, right? Just as you've experienced, but healthcare, right, is fraud for life. And I think that the whole PII and HIPAA data, right, the, the health personal information is really far more important to be guarding than some of the other things. I want to talk about the consequences of things like that because I'm interested. Okay, we understand if you get someone's social security number and other personal information, there's a financial reward. You can open credit cards in their name. You can take over credit cards. You can hack different things like hacking someone's bank account, for example. That information is in the hands of someone. Even when you give your account information online for an e-check or something, someone grabs it, they can use your bank account. I have no idea what happened in the most recent case. The first case I know, it's somebody who was going to help me out in a particular situation and turned out to be a criminal. Now, it's a matter of being naive but careful. Like I said, that bank account, the first one where the account number was posted on Twitter, that counts no more. and never had more than a few dollars in it. You know, it was just a spare bank account. I uh-huh. was careful about things like that. But in a situations like this where... Your social security is out there. You never know when there is some kind of hack, when they got that information. They don't do it the next day. They may do it a year later. They may test the account. How do you know, for example, something like a bank account or a credit card is hacked? I had heard that the usual thing they pull is they make small transactions you are not apt to notice right away. And therefore, they test to see the account works before they do their stuff. Yeah, so where we're going to see progress in this area, and we've already seen a lot of it now, is the power of big data analytics used by the financial institutions. So I'm impressed now, even on a small dollar charge, that my credit card company will send me alert saying, hey, did you just buy something in, in Brazil, right? Yes or no. You know, and so I get a you know, real-time text to me that says, hey, did you do this or, or, or not? Because my b- pattern, right, through analytics is I've never gone to Brazil. So why would he be buying something in Brazil? Uh, with my bank starts doing it, hey, we've noticed that you've logged on from a location you've never logged on before. So I think putting you know, big data analytics together is going to really help on the cybersecurity. And I think the financial institutions, right, finally, were losses were so big that they've really started cracking down on this over the last, you know, 10 years. And I think that's only going to get better as more of this cyber defense capability actually gets automated in the use of of big data. This may not be something that you know. You get your account hacked. 
Someone gets your account numbers, for example, and they take out your money. They make bogus purchases. Now, the bank, they have to return that money, don't they? Yeah. And so right now, a credit card fraud, right, you're only liable for $50. But we're talking here of an e-check, for example. Yeah. So an e-check is also $50? No, that part, I don't, I don't know what, the, what, the, what you're liable for there on, on that, Gene. But most banks that I know of, right, if, if it's actually proven that, hey, it wasn't you, you weren't trying to defraud the bank and somebody else was acting as you, have, have generally returned all the money. Of course, they can take a little time to investigate. Yeah. But yeah, no, I assume they would. In terms of the $50 limit, I think nowadays most of the credit card companies just overlook that. They don't charge it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. No, that is just the law, right? I mean, that's what codified in, in law is that you're only liable for the $50. And that's, you know, probably 40 years old. So I'm surprised that it hasn't changed. Have you ever been hacked? I have never uh, personally been been hacked, no. But I've had my daughter and my brother both have had their identity stolen. Uh, and that's a whole other separate, separate area because their accounts had gotten hacked. Without giving us details for your family, can you give us a general idea what happened? Yeah, so... Um, my daughter in her email account didn't have a very strong password. And uh, this was back when she was in college many years ago. And as part of the college transaction, she was, you know, had to pass on her social security number and emails. And when the hackers had gotten in there, then they had gotten her social security number and then started opening up um, uh, credit cards in her name and then from there, you know, just drive, driving this, this debt. And then one gal actually went and bought a car using my daughter's social security number um, because then she created, you know, an ID to go, to go along with it that had, had that social security number on there. And then for my brother, um, it actually had gotten uh, stolen uh, through a restaurant. And uh, he had his... Um, they had skimmed his card, and, and then they used that to go on to impersonate him. Now, skimming a card, explain that process, please. Yeah, so what had happened was is that when the, card, the server took the card and went to the back of the restaurant, right, to make the transaction, then they had a hardware device in which then they also scanned my brother's card and then now they had all his information, including the PIN number that, that went along with it, because it's actually stored on the magnetic strip uh, on the back. Now, today, that's why they were pushing so hard to have the chips put on every card. And again, this is where the Europeans have been leading the way than, than in the U.S., because they've been doing, using pin tra- pin, the chip on their credit card for years upon years before we started. Oh, boy. Now, you always wonder here, you're in a restaurant and they take your credit card to the back. Then again, if you find it and it's the individual waiter, they'll know who did that transaction when you were there. That so is, if you trace it, right. that waiter better be somewhere else. Yeah, but it, what ends up happening, right, is because, you know, law enforcement is overtaxed, right? They generally don't investigate those things. And so then, the you know, the credit card company just, again, 
washes it away, which then in turn, you know, we end up all end up paying for it collectively and higher interest rates on our credit cards and so forth. You wonder why it's 29.9%. Other than greed, <laughs> it's theft, it's loss, it's that kind of thing. We'd have one more segment with Major General Earl Matthews, more advice for people about what he's up to now. This is the Tech Night How Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine. For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad. Sometimes life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder. And the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad. Did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy? Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality, can be used at home or at work, and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. Why take another pill? Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body. See why our homegrown small business at sunny-bay.com has tried to help people just like you. Get your Sunny Bay heating pads at sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com. Or call 253-678-1361. For hot and cold therapy, sunny-bay.com. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 
800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035. Kiss your credit card debt goodbye. I'm Pharmacist Keith, Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you how to achieve financial peace, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Back to your daughter very briefly. Someone bought a car after stealing her identity. How did you fight that? It was uh, a very long and laborious process. And the first, we had to produce paperwork upon paperwork that where she was, you know, at the time she was in college, right? So she wasn't anywhere near the city that uh, the car was bought in. Uh, She was able to prove that it wasn't her signature, uh, that was used because, you know, obviously the person impersonator had a different signature. Um, and then uh, the final part was it was pretty easy because uh, she actually had no credit history. So we were wondering. So then the risk had to go on to the to the company that that sold the car because there was no way that my wife or my daughter could, ha- had enough financial history in order to buy a car. So we we don't even know how they could even have been sold one. But anyway, it. It just it was just a long it took us almost two years uh, in order to get it rectified. Two years. Oh two years. God. What kind of car was it, by the way? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I wish I did though. <laughs> oh wow. If it was a Porsche, I would have said, Can we have it? Maybe they'll give it to you at a discount. Yeah, well, yeah. You say, hey, we'll keep the car, but I can't do the 80000 Would you take yeah, thirty? Oh, by the way, that's not the right color. Can we exchange it? <laughs> well, don't get greedy about it. You know, take, take what's offered to you. But seriously speaking here, who loses here? Is it the bank because the bank financed it? Yeah, yeah. The bank and the car dealership were the, were the losers on, on this particular case. I assume they have insurance. Yeah, exactly. Remember, with cars, it's a money business. It's all money. You know, look at the car I'm buying. No, to the dealer, they're paying a floor charge to have that car in there. Basically, they're paying interest on having the car in the lot. And then they don't get paid until the bank pays them on the loan. That's why, for example, at the end of the month, it's quite often easier to get a great deal on a car because, number one, if they keep it over to the next month, they're paying another floor charge. The salespeople want to close out the month because they get a higher commission. Look, we can make our goal. I've sold 17 cars this month. Now I can sell 18. So you get a better deal at the end of the month. That's supposedly the legend. I wonder if that's true. It is true. And actually, you know, that, since we're talking about cars, you know, I just bought one a few years ago. And the other thing is, is that, remember, when you and I were growing up, 
right? They got paid by each car they sold, right? There was a certain amount of money for every car that was sold. Now, these dealerships have gotten so big that they're actually given incentives, right, on a generally on a quarterly basis. So if you happen to be at the end of the month and they only need to sell one more car to get $50,000 bonus or $150,000 bonus or whatever it is, they're willing to sell you that car for two to three thousand dollars underneath what they even bought it for because they know they're going to get the big bonus. So buying it at the end of the month is still the rule of the thumb. And buying it the last week of December is still the best time to ever buy a car. Well, if I have money for another car, I'll do that. I got a pretty good deal last time I got a car because I observed what he was saying in terms of the precautions. So we actually did pretty well. So that's it. All right, Greg. <laughs> I did too, I think. What kind of car did you get? <laughs> you want to say? I bought a Ford F-150 King Ranch. You're a truck guy. Well, it was the first truck I ever owned. That was my retirement present to myself. Oh, okay. You know, what it is here is I drive sedans. Usually compacts or midsize. And I haven't changed. I'm probably in your age bracket or maybe older. I'm actually 200 years old, but I didn't want to admit that. There's a picture in the closet. So what are you doing nowadays in terms of security? I'm actually now am the oldest employee of a security startup company. What we do is we remove all the assumptions out of cybersecurity by using quantifiable evidence-based data on a continuing basis to tell you this is your exact securities posture so that now you can start driving down that risk uh, because you know where your gaps are. As cyber hygiene continues to be the number one problem for most organizations because they're too big, they're too complicated, don't have enough people, we're actually now have an automated way to be able to say, hey, your product is working like the manufacturer told you or that your controls are actually deployed and configured, that your people know what to do with the data that they see coming out of all these security products. And you can have better process into how changes are made and communicated across the organization. So that's what we're doing. We're two years out of, out of stealth and we're, we're just going gangbusters. And I love the name of our company, if I'm allowed to say. Sure. It's called Verodin and it comes from two gods the god Veritas for truth, and the god Odin for wisdom and battle. So I like, of course, being the military guy, I like to say, hey, we're the warrior truth company. We're going to tell you exactly what's going on based on data and not based on any types of assumptions. So, for example, I run a company and I want to check our security practices and make things better. We give you guys a call. Yeah, you could do that. And then we can provide it to you on a, on a continuous basis if that's what you would like to do. And that's been part of the problem with most cybersecurity stuff is that we just do a snapshot in time, right? So whether we're doing compliance reporting or penetration testing, and as soon as that's done, right, and there's the next change, configuration change, we're right back to where we were. So being able to do it on a continuous basis is the right, right approach. And so we're really looking at cybersecurity with a paradigm shift. And most folks continue to look at it from the outside in, meaning, hey, here are the attacks coming at me. And we're saying, look at it from the inside out, because that's where your resources are, and make sure that what you have is really working the way that it's supposed to be working. And it doesn't matter, the most sophisticated cybersecurity organizations we've gone into that have cybersecurity, we're still finding room for improvement because of the number of configurations that change every single day. As part of your work, do you actually bring in hackers to test these things? Yes, we actually have that. The hacker part is actually automated. 
And so we run the exact behaviors, so not the signatures, but we run the exact behaviors of an attacker in your environment. And then we show you where the gaps are, uh, not only by product, but also in the famous Lockheed Martin attack lifecycle. So is it in your reconnaissance phase where you're weak at? Is it in the exfiltration phase? And then there's, you know, five other phases. So we show you exactly where those gaps are. So you can make an informed decision to say, yes, I want to continue to take risk there because on that portion of my network, which is segmented out, I have data in there that I can afford to lose. So you work, I guess, for private industry and governments? We do. We in um, most of our clients today are the big financial industry companies. And uh, we are now starting our federal employment and we'll uh, have a couple of federal clients now, and that's rapidly expanding over the next over the next year. Major General Matthews, if someone wants to know more about the kind of work you do, where do they get in touch with you? Yep, they can just come to our website, Veridin, V-E-R-O-D-I-N dot com, and we'd be more than happy to to talk to folks. Major General, enjoy your new truck. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. All right. Thanks very much, Gene. It's been a fun, diverse conversation. Look forward to my next time back. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Eating, working, living pain-free. These are things many of us take for granted. But for many adults with disabilities who are elderly or have serious medical issues, dental care is simply unaffordable. Dental Lifeline Network is looking for dentists who can change this. DLN is asking dentists and their teams to volunteer to just see one of the many patients in need. You can literally change a life. When you volunteer with DLN's donated dental services program to C1, you treat a pre-qualified patient in your office at your convenience. We handle the details so you can focus on the care. Lack of dental care can lead to the inability to have life-saving surgery, eat or contribute to our community. If you are a dentist or know a dentist, please share this message. Will you see one? Visit willyouseeone.org to help change one life in your community today. 
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap, even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed; it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Don't become dependent on the medical system. Get and stay healthy naturally with Extendivite. Metals in the liver cause peroxides to get dumped into the bloodstream. Peroxides do more damage than free radicals to the arteries, and the LDL has no protection from peroxides, causing the LDL to get stuck in the arteries, creating a potential blockage. Extendivite slowly chelates the metals away from the liver so it can dispose of what was meant to be a harmless process peroxide. Extendivite 7 Herbs has a job to strengthen the organs and circulatory highway. Can you afford a heart attack? Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So we're joined by Joe Wilcox, former industry analyst and blogger and columnist on all things in the technology business. And before we got started, we had a little bit of a glitch with Skype, which is typical. You know, it's juggling audio from different sources because we're using something called Audio Hijack here. It grabs the audio from Skype and from my mic mixer. And Joe remarked that only Siri is worse than Skype. How so? Well, I mean, uh, she doesn't always understand what you're saying. Uh, doesn't always give good direct. I mean, sometimes when I'm trying to get directions, you, you'll I'll say where I want to be, and she thinks I'm somewhere else in the in the country or the planet. Then, of course, uh, you know, there's the, just the overall uh, voice recognition is good, but not great. I don't know. What's your experience? It's kind of interesting. Most of the time, it works fairly good or fairly well with directions. Now, recently, for various reasons, I had to live out of a hotel for a few weeks until I found a new apartment. Uh And while going to look for apartments or just traveling around, I use Siri most of the time. And it's kind of funny how I did it. I would look up a place in Google and select directions, and 99 times out of 100 on my iPhone, it would launch Maps, Apple Maps, not Google Maps. Okay. And where I ran into trouble sometimes is when you go into a shopping center and you want to find a specific store and 
that store is mixed with a number of other stores in a shopping center, it has difficulty figuring out where you have to go. So one example, I was going to a place to get a cup of coffee and it was just a small shop and it kept sending me to the other side of the shopping center. Not oh, that oh. Google is all that much better. I don't know. You know, it, my experience is Google is a lot better, but also Google collects my data and God knows who else has access to it. And that makes me somewhat uncomfortable. But I got to say, you know, Google Assistant, I find to be uh, generally, you know, more accurate and more responsive. And then now with the, uh, you know, Google I.O. Uh, in the week that just passed, we got uh, what new voices. John Legend is going to be one of the voices for this whole, you know, AI thing, artificial intelligence driven assistant. We'll see how how artificial the intelligence is. <laughs> I, I don't know if they could call it an, an oxymoron, but isn't there something strange about those two terms together? artificial and intelligence, meaning you're not really that bright after all. I mean, we, we have the connotations of being super smart, but it seems to me those, those two terms just don't quite fit together to mean what they're supposed to. You know, I think about it this way, back to John Ledger. I would think here, I would find it more interesting if it was John Lennon. Imagine John Lennon giving you directions or Samuel L. Jackson. Because if it's Samuel L. Jackson, no matter what it says, you'll listen. It's true. It's true. And, uh, you know, get those effing snakes off the plane, whatever, right? You know, it's very funny here. I read a story about Samuel L. Jackson, and he's the kind of actor who just wants to keep working, and he doesn't always care if the film is lousy. So he got the script for Snakes on a Plane. Right. And he read the script, and he said, I'll do this. Didn't care about the production values. As soon as he saw the dialogue that he was supposed to read, he said, let me do this film. Now, I don't know how well it did. I think it was really good for, uh, for his uh, brand. I think Michael Caine was a kind of actor, too, where he just seemed to be in, you know, when he was a young working guy, he was in anything and everything. It didn't matter what it was or, or the, you know, the quality of the production. He just kept on working. Then again, you have to think about this. We had this actor in his 40s, a Shakespearean actor, and he never made more than like $160 a week in 1980 dollars, which is what, like 300 something dollars, say not a lot, barely middle class. Right. And he's hired for an American TV series, sci-fi. And I think for the first year he lived in a room atop somebody's house because he could, didn't believe that he could possibly be making this kind of money. That was Patrick Stewart in the <laughs> Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. He's a guy in his 40s. He's a Shakespearean actor. He is not what we call traditionally handsome. And suddenly he's a major star. Only Think, Star Trek, right? That's it. All because of Star Trek, this guy became a worldwide star. You know, sometimes it's that one role. Not that he, of course, didn't make a lot of money playing Charles Xavier in X-Men, but that's where it goes. Let's get back to things that Makes sense. So Apple hired one or two people from Google who managed artificial intelligence. Is that going to help make the difference? Maybe, probably not. What the advantage that, that Google has is the amount of uh, data it's able to mine and basically allow it. So, you know, what's that saying about practice makes perfect? Uh, the artificial intelligence will get smarter because of the amount of information that's coming 
to it. And Apple just doesn't collect data the same way, uh, puts in uh, privacy roadblocks, which I appreciate as a, as a consumer, but I think also impedes uh, the development of, of Siri, exactly how far she can grow, so to speak. What about machine learning? Well, uh, certainly uh, when you start talking about things like, you know, photos, where a lot of people are using, uh, you know, iPhone, I think it's the most popular camera on Flickr, for example. I'm not sure about Instagram and how they track it, but I'm assuming that the most popular uh, camera on Instagram is iPhone. So you have a lot of collection of data there, um, which allows uh, Apple to make, you know, the whole photo process, the artificial intelligence applied to that, get better and better and better. And I'd argue that uh, Apple probably would have the edge in many ways over Google, despite Everything Google does, uh, you know, with its, you know, whole photo service and free uploads and so on and Android phones being everywhere. But in terms of other things, informationally oriented, Apple's going to always be behind because it just doesn't collect the same amount of information. My opinion. Well, Apple is not going to abandon that, but I suppose they also abstract data that goes to their computers. So they don't get personal data, but don't they get enough to get a sense of the questions people ask? Google's the king of search. Uh, I mean, unless uh, unless Apple's capturing that data uh, somehow from the browser, you know, because you have Google search built into Siri as the default. I, I, I don't see how uh, Apple can 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 do what Google's doing because Google just gets so much. My problem with Google is I find that increasingly the search is is uh, less intelligent. The more, <laughs> there's just too much going on in the internet. I, I you know I don't know how these days. I haven't looked at it closely. Uh, the rankings are done, but often when I'm searching for stuff. I can't find what I want right away because I'm presented with you know, ad links, uh, things to buy when I might really just want to research something. And the most popular sites still tend to float to the top through Google search. So uh, if you're you know, looking for something obscure uh, or you know, something that may be just personally meaningful to you, you may not find it, even though Google's tracking all this stuff. Again, that's my experience. What about yours? Well, I'm not a super searcher, as they say, but I find it quite often that I don't get the results I want, and I don't change standard settings. So it's tracking my stuff. And if I look at a car or a retail product of any kind, like a mattress, we need a mattress. Our mattress is like 15 years old. It's not sagging or anything because you can turn it over and get more life out of it. But my wife's getting neck pain, so we really want to see what's going to happen. And with all that, that is something where I will maybe be inundated with mattress ads, but a lot of the information I want, it's not always easy to find. We've got more to come with Joe Wilcox. I'm Gene Steinberg. during the Tech Night Out Live. listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. Uh, January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Uh, then my real health began going downhill. I had high blood pressure, diabetes, poor vision. I wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking heart and body extract from within a few days. I started sleeping better. My blood pressure normalized. My diabetes normalized. My sleep improved. Experience these benefits and more when your body heals itself with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Heart and body extract comes with a 100% ironclad money back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. You have been lied to. Generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Federal Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11. Through 9-11, you, then you're fighting a war on terror. And now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Pre-order now at KillingUncleSamBook.com. KillingUncleSamBook.com.
What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. I think here Apple is sensitive to series limitations because it was the first of this popular digital assistant and it's fallen behind because of Apple's privacy, I guess. And complaints, by the way, on the part of former staffers of Siri who claim Apple, you know, did something wrong. I don't know. There was this article in The Information, if you recall it, interviewing former Siri executives who really attacked Apple. And then some other ones who said, no, it wasn't Apple's fault, or maybe it was the people who did Apple Maps. Well, actually, I believe that. Uh, I've been critical of Apple for some time about being overly obsessed with touch uh, when the motif was moving towards voice. Granted, Siri was out there before most of the assistants, but then Apple didn't really seem to follow through and allowed Alexa and Google Assistant to jump ahead by leaps and bounds. And part of that, I believe, is about the whole design ethic, which is so much about touch. Now, I understand why Apple may do that with 3D touch and so on, trying to sell these things. But, hey, let's move on to Star Trek computing. And I think we've had this discussion before where, you know, don't I don't want my fingers to do the walking. The most natural way to communicate how we are differentiated as a species is voice and ears, you know, listening. We talk to each other. We'd like to talk to things as well. We want it to respond to us. And Apple needs to needs to catch up. You know, AR is fine, augmented reality, but again, it's not the same thing as voice everywhere. And if Apple doesn't really get aggressive soon, and maybe even it's already too late, uh, it will never catch up with Amazon or Google. Now, one of the comments I heard early on, and I think it came from one of the New York Times reporters, is that when it was being tested before full deployment, Siri worked okay. But as soon as it was put under load, its accuracy fell. So is it still that thing that it's growing by leaps and bounds because more and more people have Apple gear, but Siri still can't handle the massive number of requests? Is that part of the problem? I mean, I see delays. I have pretty decent internet service here, even the cheapest one. I'm locked into right. one here. I'm locked into CenturyLink where I live now. And it's wired for CenturyLink. And I have their cheapest plan. But even then, I take my iPhone and I do a request even to set an alarm. You know, like Siri set an alarm for 5 p.m. Just want to take a nap in the afternoon or something. And sometimes it just stalls. And what it's telling me is it's not getting the message. It's sending the message up to the cloud and it's not coming back, even though I have the internet access. So maybe that's still one of the problems Apple has. Maybe. I find it hard to believe with all the the data centers that Apple has and the push around uh, internet services and the fact that it's become an important uh, uh, bullet point on the financial statement. Can't imagine that Apple wouldn't have... uh, the, the necessary computing power, you know, for Siri. Granted, I run into hic- hiccups as well. Um, 
and more, and I would say more so with Siri than Google Assistant. I don't use Alexa as much, so I can't compare. But it also, you know, it could have to do with the devices as well. You know, whether you have a good, you know, good connection to the over Wi-Fi to the internet. Um, but I would say lagging, while I see it occasionally for me, is the exception rather than the rule. It depends where you are. What's funny here is that one of Apple's largest data centers, don't know if it's finished yet, is in Chandler, Arizona. And that location is maybe a 12-minute drive from where I am now, 12, 15-minute drive. So I'm right in the heart of one of Apple's largest or the largest data center, like I said, Chandler, Arizona. And still, (laughs) I have these issues. I don't know if it's CenturyLink. I don't know. I have no idea. I know I don't use CenturyLink's DNS. I've tried Google DNS, and there's another company now, and Cloudflare has DNS. I try those. So we'll see about Siri. Maybe we'll hear more about this at the WWDC. I mean, they did promise better Siri at last year's WWDC, and I see other than the voice being a little bit better, it doesn't seem to have improved that much. I, I agree. I don't see a lot of improvement uh, since over the, over the last year been waiting for it, particularly with the release of HomePod, but I just don't see it. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's, I think it's just nowhere as good as a competition. Well, maybe they'll be saying something this year. I will certainly look forward to it. But right now we're about a month away, a little less than a month away. So we'll deal with that later. But I wanted to ask you about Google I.O. Google P. They're going into gestures kind of reminiscent of iPhone 10. One of the features that I see and a few others that seem to be interesting. But the thing I always worry about with any Android release is that it may have great features. It may really do wonders for the platform. But if it that by the next year, 7% of the user base is able to get it and install it, what good is it for developers? And, you know, that's that's the problem. Uh, and it won't ever be solved as long as, uh, you know, Samsung is the leader. Uh, and skins these things and the other competitors as well. I, I don't see how Google can bring uh, any of the features to the mass market quickly enough. Let me Sorry? interrupt you one second and we'll go on. One thing I should mention here, Google is offering beta versions of Android P, but nothing for Samsung users. I think Samsung, you can continue after this, Samsung would ditch Android in a heartbeat, if they could do something as good or better, but they can't. I would agree with that. Uh, now, I have one of the uh, uh, the Google Pixel C tablets, which, by the way, being you know th- that's a Google Google produced tablet, cannot run Android P on it. It's uh, it's an end of life device. Well, thank you very much, Google. Um, and I, I to me that's kind of a metaphor for everything that's wrong. With Android, the fact that the the really skinless versions are still confined not not totally, but mostly confined to uh, to Google devices, and they're just they're they're uh, they just don't get the sales volume uh, that uh, the the uh, OEMs do. So you don't get the propagation of the best features. I mean, still, if you look at the uh, at the photo capabilities, really. Um, you want to get a Pixel uh, XL to uh, a Google, the Google device over anything else. Now, granted, you know, Samsung has its camera and 
and does some really interesting things. But if we're talking about the pure Android experience, what Google you know bakes into it, the the so-called goodness, I hate that term that everybody uses, the goodness, um, then uh, you, you need to have a that that Google Google device experience, and not many people do. Well, if you can't get the latest Android on a Google phone of any year, any recent year, well, it hardly tablet, makes very much still. sense. But um, yeah, the, the the Pixel C is a tablet, but nevertheless, yeah, it's not that old. And since we, by the way, complain so much about the iPhone 10 for $999, i am looking at the prices, the Pixel 2 XL, 6-inch display. Okay. And they're giving you a $100 discount. And despite that, it's still $949. Why is it that a $950 smartphone, or one that's more but discounted, is any less expensive than a $999 smartphone? Why is that significant? Why is that an issue? If you pay a monthly payment on these things, the cost is going to be a dollar or two. Yeah. Uh, so what are you asking? I'm not sure I understand. Okay. All right. You were looking at the Google XL2, which is an expensive phone. It's almost the same price as the iPhone 10. Yeah, it's not cheap. <laughs> but we make a big deal. I'm going to ask more about the iPhone 10 later. I just want to get more into the Android stuff. So... Google, after all these years, can't figure a way to deploy this to a wider number of users. Samsung doesn't care. If they can get, was it Tizen? Is that the way it's pronounced? They can get their operating system to completely replace Android, which they can't. Whatever problems you have with Android, they can't do any better. They have no incentive to offer their customers any special deals on the newest version. I would think Samsung would want to say, you buy a new Galaxy, we'll let you use the beta of Android P. I think they could have worked that out with Google, but obviously they did not. We'll talk more about this, Google I.O. and other things, and also about the iPhone 10 and all the complaints that it was a bad seller when it was selling a lot. More to come. We have Joe Wilcox. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. 
You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So getting back to Android P, anything more, any features that kind of lit your fire? No, I mean... uh yeah, we have uh, Google talking more about uh, the, the gestures and you know the the whole artificial intelligence stuff, but you know the AI we I, we heard all that last year as well, and you know we're we're talking we're at a point now where we're really talking about the stuff that's baked into the operating system, and consumers may not you know see it for a while. Excuse me. So I'm you know kind of you know, wait and see as the past because nothing's changed. The landscape for Android is pretty much the same, which is Samsung and most of the other OEMs skin the device to add value to uh, uh, provide an, a cu- their own customer experience. That hasn't changed in a year or two or three. And as long as that's the case, and I don't see it changing anytime, if ever, you know, these, these events come, they're great for developers, but the operating system I don't see as advancing by leaps and bounds where the change is happening is, you know, more again on the back end where Google is leveraging its uh, expertise and information collection uh, and uh, providing data services. That's where the smarts is going to come from for Android or anything else, you know, Google does, including Chrome OS. Does Google ultimately want to just somehow merge Chrome and Android? Because they seem to be sharing stuff now. You can run Android apps on Chrome. I don't think so. I think what we're seeing now some uh, some Chrome OS tablets, uh, which is you know a, a, cha- a departure, and I think it's more for the education market than anything else. Now Google's got a nice lock on the education market because of these uh, Chrome books being just so damn cheap to buy uh, and fitting in the button and convenient, uh, and not just the actual cost for the hardware and maintenance, but also the software. You know, you've got the the, the whole Google cloud available without any extra paid to like Microsoft for, you know, for office, you know, 365. So as long as Chrome OS is doing well uh, in uh, the education market, you know, I don't see the, a departure there. Also between the two of them, Android is the dominant operating system on the planet. I don't see any way, any reason why a Google would uh, kind of shake that up with a with a merger of the two operating systems 
for a lot of reasons. Well, I know there was a rumor that somehow Apple wants to merge iOS and Mac OS, but that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Let's move into iPhone 10. And this is a story that has gone on for so long. iPhone 10, sales collapsing. They cut orders in half from the supply chain. And one story had it that Apple was going to build 50 million iPhone 10s in a quarter. And what are the sales normally in a March quarter, low 50s? Obviously, they don't expect with all these models of iPhones available that their most expensive product would get the most sales. On the other hand, we have the December quarter results. We have the March quarter results for every week it was on sale. The iPhone 10 was the number one best-selling Apple smartphone and number one on the planet. Why this disconnect? Well, it's always the same. You know, rumors bring uh, eyeballs to the websites and then also, you know, influence the the stock price of a company. There are a lot of, you know, you, know, you always ask the question, who benefits? Whenever you see any any kind of rumor story, the first question you ask is who benefits from uh, this information being out there, whether it's competitors uh, or like a or investors or whoever you know. It's you know, take your pick. Uh, it could be a long list. I didn't believe it. Uh, it seemed to me that uh, the device. Uh, I can see lots of very reasonable reasons why Apple might cut component orders if it even did. Uh, it might stock up uh, because of um, uh, you know tariffs, the the threats of tariffs, component shortages. It just didn't seem to me, looking at the at the pipeline, that there was an abundance, an overabundance of uh, iPhones in the channel. And again, that's uh, anecdotal. I didn't do any hard research, but uh, again, there wasn't av- availability problems. But it didn't seem like. There's certain things you look for, and uh, when there's an oversupply of devices, then orders are cut. And you know, one of those are fire sales, and you just didn't see it happening among the cellular uh, carriers uh, or other device uh, uh, or other retailers. And without that sign there, it indicated to me that sales were probably doing you know fairly well. It's a new device. It's small as heck. I bought one. I bought one the day that it uh, was available for pre-order. I love it. I would never go back to a larger phone after this experience. I like the smaller screen with the higher resolution, and uh, it's almost the perfect size uh, for a smartphone. It's interesting, though, how so many people are willing to pay a little bit more. And I say a little bit more because I'm thinking of monthly price. Not every country offers that. Well, if you have a credit card with a $1,000 margin and you stick an iPhone on it, you're only paying, what, $25, $50 a month? So people who want to get one can get one. Yeah, uh, that's the key thing. You don't have to buy it outright. You can you know, get it monthly through your carrier, through the Apple upgraded uh, program. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of money. But on the other hand, you can stretch it out easily over that 24 months and not feel it. In my case, I have to pay like $11 more a month if I wanted to have an iPhone 10. And right now, I don't have that kind of money. Maybe in a year or two, I'll look at the next edition of the iPhone. And of course, no one likes the iPhone design, but now we see Android phones are going to have a notch. Right, right. Then why would they have a notch if they don't have a the circuitry that requires the notch? 
Well, you don't have a lot of options. I mean, if you look at it from a design perspective, you know, what options do you have if uh, you want to stretch the stretch the display out to the edge and still, um, you know, have the room for the sensors and then also uh, for your your earpiece? Right. But these Android phones don't have face ID. I also think ultimately Apple would want to reduce that as much as possible with improved designs. Oh, oh, let's, let's talk about, can we talk about face ID for a moment? Absolutely. Go ahead. Tell me about it. My problem, just, let me just say this before you start. Okay. I think I got a phone with face ID. It would look at me and Siri would start screaming and the phone would start burning up. Go ahead, please. Oh, you mean a cracked phone? Like the mirror, like a mirror looking in the mirror? (laughs) Well, uh, just burning up. That's all. Okay. Well, okay, so I really I really like Face ID. I find it very convenient, but it also bothers me as a potential, um, I don't know, privacy, security. Now, I, you know, I'm not a criminal. I don't commit a cri- any crimes or anything, but let's suppose you're at the airport and, um, you know, they you, you get detained for some reason. All they have to do is take possession of your phone, hold it up to your face, and they have access to it. It is so this it kind of nullifies this whole issue around, uh, you know, encryption and thumbprints or security codes. If they got your face, they got access to your phone, uh, the law enforcement. I would think that that uh, uh, many in law enforcement would welcome a feature like this because of the potential access they could get to these different devices. But they need access to you. On the other hand, a law enforcement officer who says, stick your finger on the home button. You're not going to listen? Yeah, but they don't even need to do that. They just hold the phone up to your face and bingo, they're in. No no touch required, on, on no bodily touch required, no risk of, uh, of any consequence there. Well, here's the thing, too. There's supposedly in the latest iOS beta, which is, I think, 11.4, yeah, a USB restriction that after seven days of inactivity... You can't, you can only charge the phone or use your biometrics or passcode. So supposedly after seven days, law enforcement won't be able to use these hacking tools to break open the phone. Supposedly, I don't know. Got more to come with Joe Wilcox. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
Hey folks, Tom D for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So what do you think about that? Are you aware of reports of this feature? I, I mean, I am aware of it, and I never, I never even used that that port. I, I never connect the device to anything. As a consumer, doesn't affect me in the slightest. All you I see, do is USB charge is embedded, device. I guess, into the Lightning connector, which makes sense. Which makes sense, and I can understand why 
as a security measure, privacy measure, you might want to disable it if it's not used. Also and keep these hackers from doing that, because remember, too, if police can buy one of these boxes to unlock an iPhone, I can't believe that criminals can't get a hold of one somehow. Well, okay, so that's the thing. Your device is more at risk from a criminal than it is from the cops. Uh, and, uh, you know, because it, you know, it's a highly desirable, highly high theft item. So if they steal it and they can get into it by that port, well, guess what? Uh, but if you block it off so they can't after, because it's not been used for seven days, Apple's done you a favor. That's a, you know, that's a brick, essentially a brick device. Of course, we have that weighing against the needs of law enforcement to solve a crime. But they just have to know what they're doing. You see, in some situations, I think law enforcement was stupid, like the San Bernardino issue. Now, they were trying to unlock an iPhone 5C that was a work phone. Now, if the authorities in San Bernardino had used Apple's management tools, they could have easily taken over that device and unlocked it for the police. If they didn't have those tools, they were negligent. I mean, if you have an employee using a work phone, they should have authority over that phone. For whatever reason, you fire somebody, do you want them taking your data, your information? No, you want to close out that phone. Yeah, I agree. Let's just look at some other things here with regard to all this craziness. So we again went back to the follow the money argument. Who benefits if Apple's stock is talked down as it was because of misleading false rumors about poor iPhone X sales. And you might have people who want to be able to talk the stock down so they can buy it cheap and benefit from that. You possibly have competitors to Apple who just want to cause mischief. Maybe dissuade people from buying the iPhone X. Oh, it's not successful. You don't want to buy that phone. I heard a rumor that maybe a few people at Apple who aren't so honest but have stock are pulling stunts for their own benefit. But in that case, if they were caught, they'd be spending a little time in jail. Uh, I had no idea, and I'd never put stock in rumors. Again, who would benefit from something like this? I think that's the big issue, if we care about it. And the thing that's interesting is it happens every year. Every year, last few years, oh, the supply chain is this, that, and the other thing. And Tip Cook lectures, well, you can't take a couple of supply chain metrics and assume anything about sales or demand or inventory. And they still do the same thing. It's like whatever he says, they have their ears closed. Ah, bah, 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 I don't know anything. You know, Steve Jobs was the master of good taste. You could see that in his design ethic. Tim Cook is a logistics genius. He really is. And uh, when you start hearing stuff about supply chain problems, I doubt them right away simply because of that. Uh, he's proven through his career, starting at Compaq, uh, moving on eventually to Apple, uh, that he really understands the supply chain and how to, how to make it work you know, across every aspect uh, from you know, manufacturing to distribution uh, to retail. And uh, that's why, you know, I, I, I okay, yep, it's just another rumor, but uh, I'm sure Tim Cook's on the ball. But speaking of Tim Cook, he started working for Apple, late 90s, 
sometime before the iMac came out. And just some days back, the 20th anniversary of the iMac was observed. Correct. I want to mention this because of an experience I've mentioned on the show before. So in the mid to late 1990s, before my journalistic status got me removed from the program, I was a member of Apple's customer quality feedback program, originally just for operating systems. And then they added hardware. So I occasionally get a beta test of a new Mac. One I tested was going to be like a Power Mac G3 variant and never got produced. So one day my handler at Apple calls me and says, you know, we're not going to do this. Just send it back and we'll dispose of it. And I said, cool. So I boxed it and sent it back to them at their expense. And then in 1998, they sent me this little plastic thing. We know what it was. They sent me the iMac. The only thing about it, it looked perfect except that the front cover of the CD drive, the little plastic fitting, was off it. So we know it was like an early production test model. So I used it, and I thought, okay, this is nice, but I like my big Power Mac G3 with all the options. This one just has USB. Didn't care, but I, I thought it was fun, and I, I let my son use it because he had good observations, and he was, at that point in time, maybe 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. And so he enjoyed playing with it, and I asked permission, can he do that? And they said, well, it's your responsibility if he tells his friends, but otherwise, fine. So he played with it, and then by August, it's about to be produced. And the Apple handler calls me and says, look, Gene, we're going to send you a firmware update. If the firmware update works, keep it. No problem. Can I have the little fitting, plastic fitting? Yeah, we'll send it to you. If it bricks it, and there's maybe a um, 30% chance or some chance, just send it back to us. Can I get another one? Well, no, just send it back to us. Now, I <laughs> think he was playing games with me because it bricked it. So that uh, was it. So I could have had an iMac, and I didn't. It's okay. Because it wasn't my main computer. Later on, with one of my writing payments, I got Grayson one. But at the same time, I learned a lot about it. And eventually, I wrote an article for the Arizona Republic where I was doing a weekly column right. with Apple's permission because I had been part of this program and I had exposure, pre-release exposure. With their permission, I, I did that. And they said, you know what? We can give you an interview with the designer, Jonathan Ive. Oh, wow. So I interviewed him in 1998 about it. Now, at that point, I had no clue what the iMac would become, what kind of phenomenon it would become or where it would be 20 years later, where a variant of the iMac would be the most powerful Mac on the planet. First, it would cost, you know, 5000 for <laughs> the startup version and what, 13000 change with all the goodies on it, all the schmutz on it, and like that. But it was kind of interesting here because the original iMac had 233 megahertz G3, which was the most powerful G3 of the previous year. And most of its parts were derived from Apple's PowerBook. Had like an entry-level ATI graphics processor. In order to change memory, if you remember doing this, Joe, you had to basically unscrew the back plate and pull the whole chassis out to replace the memory. Once you got it out, it was good, but then you had to deal with the wiring harnesses and everything. And I got to be pretty good at it. Anyway, more on the iMac. I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Joe Wilcox. This is the Tech Night Ally. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As the globalists attack America and the Trump agenda, we need to show our support. Get your free Trump flag to show your support. You can get your free Trump flag at freetrumpstuff.com. Go now, freetrumpstuff.com. Get your free Trump flag. Drive liberals nuts. Make them crazy with your new free Trump flag at freetrumpstuff.com. Go now. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-301-5435. That's 800-301-5435. 800-301-5435. With uncertain times in the United States, it's only prudent to consider storing precious metals in a safe place outside our borders. And Miles Franklin, we have done just that for you. Partnered with the most respected storage company in the industry, Miles Franklin is proud to offer the only fully insured private safe deposit box program in North America held in Vancouver and Toronto. Send us your previously purchased precious metals or have one of our brokers help you purchase something new. Questions? Please call one of our experienced brokers at 866-485-4346. Solid Foundational Storage, partnered with the most respected name in security. 
Maintaining an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and residing in Minnesota, the only state in America that regulates the precious metals industry, making doing business in precious metals with Miles Franklin the safest choice. Call us at 866-485-4346. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Miles Franklin Limited, a name you can trust. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. The iMac, 20 years of it. When was your first exposure show? So my first Mac ever was the Bondi Blue iMac. So I've been a Windows user, and uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I was writing about Microsoft. Uh, but uh, December uh, 1998, on a whim, I uh, bought one from uh, CompUSA, and they threw in a free television that I, I didn't need. And uh, I took it home, never had used the uh, Mac OS ever, and uh, I also had a complicated internet setup because I had ISDN. Uh, uh, so, but all of that said, it lived up to the promise of you know out of the box and on the internet in ten minutes without any experience with the operating system, and again with ISDN, which was uh, you know network protocol to to use it rather than so you got to connect to your Ethernet port rather than to the modem. I was on the internet in 10 minutes, and it was an amazing experience. Uh, now, so remember much- what ISDN meant to skeptics. It still does nothing. <laughs> hey, I, I had, uh, you, know, you know, 128 instead of that 56K woo, <laughs> speed. So, you know, it's still wherever yeah. that's worth. My first exposure to broadband was something called Sprint Broadband Direct. Okay. Around 2000. Remember that? Nope. Okay. They used diamond-shaped antennas. It was a wireless system, fixed wireless. And supposedly, you could receive a good signal, which was like three megabits down, half megabit up, which was a big deal in 2000, from up to 35 miles away. They deployed it among the first cities, Phoenix, the Phoenix area. I thought it was wonderful. And then its problem was scaling up. So as soon as you had a lot of people, the upload speed would disintegrate to the point where it was no better than a 56K modem. Download uh, was still two or three megabits, but upload never worked. Eventually, they phased out the system like 2008. In fact, if you drive along the industrial parks around phoenix or environs you still see the fixed antennas they were never taken down (laughs) interesting so that's that's where i got my speed anyway i understand in retrospect the logic behind the imac you take a person who is not used to getting online because it'd be so complicated right you take somebody who doesn't understand all the different cables and connections and protocols and they can set up that computer pretty easily. And Apple sold a lot of these to the consumer marketplace. Now, eventually, the iMac scaled up. So by 2009, with the 2009 27-inch iMac, it was a pretty powerful beast. True. 
And now today, if you're not doing eight core or more applications, the 27-inch iMac with 5K Retina display, and try to get that separately. There aren't too many people making 5K displays. And no increase in price, by the way. They brought the price down to the same level of the 27-inch iMac without the Retina display. And it's as powerful as any computer out there. If you need eight cores or more, you get the iMac Pro, at least before we have a, a new Mac Pro. But right. could you have thought of this, that an entry-level Mac all-in-one in 1998 would 20 years later be one of the most powerful computing devices available? No, but I thought it was pretty good in 1998. I was really blown away by uh, Mac OS. I think it was 8.5 uh, was on that uh, uh, machine. And I used it as my main computer for quite a while until February 2000 or 1999, when from um, one of the uh, the resellers, I bought a refurbished uh, Power, or yeah, I guess it was a uh, the uh, PowerBook uh, G3, and um, it was a two advertises a two thirty three megahertz. But oops, they sent me 266, and I wasn't going to complain about that. Had a DVD drive. I actually subscribed to Netflix that same month, so February 1999, and watched my first DVD ever on the PowerBook G3. Now, Mac OS 8.5, the distinctive thing about it is it was the first version of Mac OS that was all power PC. Okay. Uh, again, you're... Th that was beginning of my era. So uh, the past is, you know, better than I'm. Okay. Anyway, so the iMac, starting from those humble beginnings, I didn't expect it to be very much. I mean, I like them, but a 13-inch screen was just too small for me. I think at that point I had like a 20-inch CRT display. Wow. But that was the big the screen, right? Now I have a 27-inch iMac. I've had a 27-inch iMac for right now. Oh, nine years. And the key here is that it became a powerful work computer. Who could have thunk it when it first came out? Now, I thought it was slow. I think what was slow was, was using a notebook-grade hard drive. That was part of it. And I think that's part of what made it real slow. So today, what kind of Macs do you have? One, I just have the 15-inch uh, the, uh, the uh, MacBook Pro. I bought it in uh, November 2016. And obviously that screen feels substantially larger than the one on the original iMac. Oh, yeah, it's sure. It's, what, I mean, 40 yeah. times faster? <laughs> Probably. But, I mean, it's, you know, it's a higher resolution. It's brighter. Of course, it's more portable. Uh, but, you know, the concept is the same. I mean, the iMac was basically, uh, I mean, it's all a, you know, your notebook is basically a one, all-in-one all in uh uh, computer with a screen. Well, iMac is really the same concept, only it was you know, built around a CRT. So a MacBook Pro is basically a portable iMac today. You could say that, yeah, only a lot better. <laughs> oh, we know a lot better, but uh, so. they've certainly diverged like that. Do you think Apple's ever going to consider moving to ARM on the Mac? Is it worth it for them? I don't know about that. That's a very good question. It depends on, how, yes, actually, it wouldn't shock me if Apple did. When I start to think about uh, the legacy with PowerPC, even though Motorola produced a chip, um, there are 
already Apple produces its own chips for the tablets. Why not for the desktop? I think part of it also is the negatives. There are some negatives. Number one is Intel emulation. We know Apple can solve that, but at what cost? There are a lot of people out there who bought Intel-based Macs because of the ability to run Windows under boot camp at full speed or with pretty good speed with the virtual machines. And what's going to happen to them? Or can Apple speed up the ARM processors so much that the compensation to the slower Intel emulation wouldn't be as much or somehow do that emulation in hardware? It's hard to say. I mean, uh, the, the thing is, when I look at, um, you know, iOS on what, the, is it A11 uh, chip now? Um, it's very efficient. I mean, we're talking about devices with just, you know, what, three, uh, four uh, uh uh, gigabytes of memory, uh, compared to what you might get on a, on a, on a big Mac, um, you know, your eight or 16, whatever. And, um, they seem, they, it seems very efficient, uh, with the, with the way it multitasks and handles. Uh, I just can't imagine Apple wouldn't be able to eventually do something like that. And maybe already is in the lab, uh, with, uh, with, with OS 10 or, Maybe when you're talking about the merging of the operating systems, the question isn't so much should they merge the operating systems, should they at some point in the future uh, retire OS X uh, in place of iOS. And I think everything Apple has been doing around the phone and the tablets is driving that direction. It's just the technology and the market isn't quite ready. They, are, they aren't excuse me, quite ready, but I believe they will be in the future. More to come on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. 
Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. This is Dan Pillard. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. You've been hearing Dr. Wallach talking about 90 essential nutrients, keeping the body healthy. GCNteam.com now has Beyond Tangy Tangerine Tablets, 60 plant-derived minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, packed in a powerful tablet. But that's not it. 160,000 auric points, a knockout punch to free radicals. Call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. That's 877-878-4203. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. thing to bear in mind about the A-series processors is that they're being run with tight resource restrictions because they have to run with a low amount of power. Obviously, you have a small device where you can't allow the thing to get too hot, so you can't run it too fast. You put that thing in a notebook computer, full-size notebook computer, or even an iMac especially, you could run them possibly a lot faster. You could have them use more power because more power is available. So the A11, how much faster could Apple run it if it was run unlocked, basically, at full bore? No, Or is that full bore? (laughs) Not being an engineer, I have no idea how to answer that question. If that were possible, or if that's what it meant, that Apple could just take this chip and scale it up to the expanded requirements of a full-blown personal computer, how fast would it go? 
And even if emulation cut the speed in half, does Apple compensate? Is it worth it? Is it worth the investment? Can Apple set up, I guess they can, Xcode to almost seamlessly convert your apps to ARM without much optimization? There is There are so many uh, iOS apps already available. I don't think it's necessary to worry about converting. Just run iOS apps? Of course, you, Just iOS apps also tend to be designed for a more limited functionality. Yeah, but how much do people really multitask? Most people run one or two apps. Yeah. So they, they may have it in the background. You have a lot more utility on a, on a touchscreen. The, the problem is where Apple isn't quite there in terms of um, the design and utility of, of, uh, of an iOS device like the tablet to replace uh, the laptop. I think there are a lot of people that would consider doing that, but we're just not quite there yet in terms of the right design ethos. It just, they, they, they tried it with a larger iPad. Was it the 12 inch or 12.9 inch? A little too big a ta- as a tablet, as a desktop, the keyboard, the, the 10 inch or is a 10.5 inch, which I really like. It's, I actually use, I use my iPad more than any other device, more than my phone, more than my laptop. Uh, if it just had a, a bit more functionality with the keyboard, I could almost make it work as my full-time device. My limitation is the audio stuff because I'm capturing audio from Skype and an external outboard mixer. And if there was an app that did what Audio Hijack does on the Mac on iOS, that would be very tempting. And I think one of the reasons it doesn't is Apple's sandboxing restrictions. They can't allow that kind of inter-app communication. If something like that could happen, I think editing audio on an iPad, 10 and a half inch iPad, I think also is the ideal size, that would really work well. It'd make a great portable studio, you know? Being able to take a really good USB mic or USB mixer and have it compatible with lightning, I don't know if it would be or not, and being able to capture audio in the field with a pretty powerful one pound computer, Right, right. I think that would be just terrific. I might just be sitting in my bed and editing with my fingers, editing the show. I could probably do it about the same speed. And that would be really nice and pleasant, make this pleasant. I mean, I don't mind the 27-inch screen, and I enjoy editing that way. I just think this alternative would make things much more relaxing. Don't know if it would be faster. I certainly like to try it. But what if you could go one step further? And instead of using your fingers to do that editing, you're actually using your voice. All right, clip this at uh, one minute and 30 seconds. And I then, don't think the voice would be as precise, honestly, because the way I do it, I'm, I'm clipping stuff in fractions of a second, really short fractions of a second. I can't see where that would work for me. It might work for some people. Right. First of all, I think that um, there's always going to be a market for these more powerful computers. And that's what we see in the, uh, in the, in the Windows PC market. There are still companies that need uh, for, maybe it's legacy software, uh, maybe they're doing uh, design or software development where they need the super powerful PCs. Well, you know, there's a eye doctor's office near here that my wife uh, uses because she once had corneal transplants and needs to be checked every six months or a year for possible signs of rejection. She actually has to take a steroidal 
kind of eye drop for that. And when you register there, they give you an iPad and you tap your information, which is a lot faster and a lot more efficient than filling out something with your pen on a piece of paper because nobody has to enter anything. Right. It's right there. But the computer systems they use are Windows because they have to integrate with the rest of the offices. It's a large chain of eye doctors. And so they have to communicate with the older systems. But of course, most people who use iPads have Windows anyway, so the integration probably is no big deal and the networking is no big deal. But that's a really interesting way to make healthcare more efficient and more accurate. In fact, what surprises me is, well, you don't have something like that in the hospital where everybody you talk to asks you the same questions about your health. What are you here for? Well, I'm here to fix a problem with my shoulder or to repair a torn ligament, whatever it is. Network, they'll look it up and say, oh, this is your blood pressure. And let's look at that heart again. The EKG showed a little bit of a regular heartbeat. It would save so much time and money, wouldn't it? Sure. And in fact, you know, why not go further? Why, why not you walk into the office with your iPhone and you have contact information that's on the phone and you just, you know, zap it over to their iOS uh, or even uh, OS 10 or I guess, I guess, I guess we call it Mac OS uh, system. We're talking here about HealthKit. Yeah. Right. That would be great. Going to a doctor's office and you hand them the information they needed. And they, you know, they're monitoring you with your Apple Watch. You have an Apple Watch? Uh, I do. I keep thinking about stopping to use it. But uh, yeah, I do have an Apple Watch. I have the uh, Series 3. That's another device that can help capture health information. It can check your heartbeat. I don't know if it can do blood pressure yet. I guess eventually it would be. No, as far as I know, it cannot. Probably they could do an add-on device that would communicate with Bluetooth. Yeah, maybe. Well, you know, we'll see what Apple does with Series 4, Apple Watch. And I don't even know if we'll see one of those this year or next. And notice how all the rumors, that the rumors tend to be more about what Apple's not doing, like ordering component parts, how we started this uh, whole conversation, rather than what's really going to come next and what that might be. See a lot of speculation stories about the next, the iPhone 10 successor will be, you know, bigger screen and whatever, but it's all speculation. Nobody really knows. Uh, but the fact that there aren't a lot of rumors about Apple Watch or concrete about the next uh, iPhone, you, you know, says something about Apple's ability to act, increasing ability to keep those secrets, which given the supply chain isn't easy. It's more about the hardware than the operating system, which Apple can keep close to its vest. Joe Wilcox, yeah. tell our listeners if they want to know more about what you do, where do they go? Um, they can go to uh, tobetanews.com. I haven't written much there this year, but I will be again. I've been taking kind of a hiatus from uh, writing. Uh, I'm so put off by all this data collection. I just need to step back from them taking a hot tech, tech writing hiatus, which is about to end. But you can find me over at Beta News. I think it's Beta News author, forward slash author, Joe Wilcox, something like that. But uh, you just, just go over there anyway. The site is going to celebrate its uh, 20th anniversary on June 1st. You can find us on Twitter, look for Tech Night Owl. You can find our other radio show, The Powercast. And this week we observed the passing of a good friend of mine, someone you might have heard of because he wrote 175 books. Brad Steiger wrote books on the strange and the unknown, made many TV and radio appearances, and he passed on May 6th at the age of 82. Close friend of mine. We also have 
a special feature of this show for those who are sick and tired of ads. You know, like the commercials, you can fast forward through them or you get Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S dot You get information about subscribing to a special feature. We give you a version of the show without the network ads with better quality audio. Tech Night Owl Plus. Joe Wilcox, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.